Hey friends, welcome back to the Sending 65 podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Schultz, and today I'm joined by Emily Jensen. We talk about how the gospel meets us in motherhood, grief and disability, human limitations, and so, so much more. God used this conversation to encourage me and free me up big time, and I'm praying he does the same for you. Emily, I am so honored to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a joy. Emily and I do not know each other. Well, personally, this is our first time chatting. I do follow along and learn so much from Emily from afar, from her ministry and her social media spaces and newsletters she writes. We have a few spaces where our worlds intertwine in good old Iowa, but this is my first time getting to chat with you and I'm so excited to learn more about you and learn more from you today. So can you tell us the quick gist about yourself? Of course. Yeah, it is so fun to be with you and to finally kind of meet you face to face over video here. Um, yeah, I've been married to my husband, Brad, for 13 years now. And as you mentioned, wow. we live in central Iowa, where we have five kids um, ranging in ages from five to 10. So I like to do the math for people and say, I have a set of twins in there. And that is how that worked out <laughs> because okay. five kids in five years wow. is a lot, but wow. we did get two for one. So that, that was That's helpful. Um, this is the first year that all my kids are in school all day. So wow. it's definitely a new season for me. I had 10 years where there was always someone at home with me at some point in the day. So I'm still adjusting to a new normal of having a few more hours with a little bit more flexibility, but not as much as I thought there would be. So yeah, here in town, uh, my husband and I are involved in various family businesses. Um, but most people probably, if you've heard my name online, it's because of the Ministry of Risen Motherhood. Um, I co-founded that with my sister-in-law, Laura Whiffler, um, six seven years ago now. <laughs> I was wow. track. And I serve as the content director for that ministry, which effectively just means, you know, I help oversee the things that we create to make sure that they align with our mission and our vision. Mm. Um, and I also co-host a podcast with her all about motherhood and the gospel. And I do a lot of writing and speaking on various topics. Uh, an exciting project I just finished up last year was I wrote my first trade book. Um, so I'm wow. really excited to launch that this coming fall. I wrote a devotional on the topic of weakness, which cool. is a book that I needed. And I was really processing mm. through that topic. So I feel like I've been doing a lot of work in the background that has yet to kind of be shared out there widely. But yeah. that's that's another project I've been working on. What's that called? It's called He is Strong. And it's devotions for when you feel weak. Cool. When does that come out? It's October 10th, 2023. So. Wow. Did you enjoy that process or what What was that like? Uh, yeah. It's always interesting to think about enjoying the process of writing because it is, it's wonderful and it's hard work and it's a lot of wrestling with the Lord and uh, thinking through the word, but mm. it's, you know, um, difficult at times as well. So yeah. For me, that book really came out of a season of weakness that I'm still in, I think, um, mm -hmm. and needing to just understand how Christ meets us and gives us strength in those moments and in those feelings. So it was also very 
helpful to me. And the, the word really ministered to me in that time as I was working through those devotions. Wow. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Wait, sorry. You said it comes out when? Uh, October 10th, 2023. O- October 10th. Okay. We'll mark our calendars. <laughs> okay. Tell us about when you came to know and follow Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a long story. So I'm going to try to keep it short, but, uh, share whatever. Okay. Okay. I, um, so I grew up going to church and just from an early age, I remember always believing that God was real. I was interested in God. I liked going to church. I think I've always thought the Bible was true in that there wasn't any other way to God except through Jesus. Like I, would have affirmed all of those as fact. And really my whole life, I also would have called myself a Christian. I would have identified myself as that. I would have told others, I believe in Christ. I follow, I follow God. Um, and yet the reality was that I did not have any personal relationship with God. God was kind of who I turned to when I was in a really, really tough spot that I needed to get out of, or I was really sad about something, I might think about the Lord and give kind of a desperate prayer. But in terms of him being the Lord of my life and really saying, yeah, his word has power. I have power by the spirit over my sin. I have renewed desires in me. I look back and cannot see any of those things. Um, In fact, I would say I lived pretty rebelliously, um, especially through my teenage years. And a lot of things that, you know, teenagers typically get into when they're not following the Lord and they're, they're living according to the world and what the culture says were probably things that I were, I was involved in. And so it was interesting because I felt a lot of dissonance and I knew right Mm -hmm. from wrong but I also didn't know how to change. And so when I got to college, I decided that I would try to join a college ministry, despite my lifestyle and everything (laughs) else about me, not looking or being Christian. I was like, I'm going to give this a fair shot. Maybe this is the time in my life that I'm going to get my act together and I'm actually going to change and I'm going to be a good Christian and I'm going to follow God. And very early on in my first semester of college, I remember that the ministry had us go to these like study carols on campus. And we were supposed to like open our Bibles and just spend time hearing from the Lord. And I remember opening in my Bible and hearing nothing and just just feeling complete emptiness and no connection to God whatsoever. And that was really discouraging to me. And at that point, I made a decision to stop trying to follow God. I kind of gave up and was like, you know what, God, if you're not going to speak to me, if you're not going to be here for me, if I can't hear you, then forget it. I'm just going to try to live my life, find as much happiness as I can in the things that I'm doing and Maybe I'll see you later in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's really interesting because I didn't reject God in a sense of like, I don't think you're real, but it was like, I'm not going to try to clean myself up anymore or try to follow you mm-hmm. anymore. And that led to a two-year process for me of 
really kind of a down spiral. Um, I leaned in heavy to the, the things I was already doing that were in rebellion to the Lord. And I put my hope in those things even harder. Uh, that did not go well for me. Um, and that was a really dark and painful season of my life. But the good news is that it really, through a variety of circumstances, brought me to just a rock bottom, like a low point for me. So this would have been August 2006. And I remember being in my car and weeping after I had been let down by something and just crying out to the Lord for the first time in my life for help, but not like, Mm. help get me out of this jam, God, so I can keep living however I want. But like, help me, Lord, because... Mm. I've done nothing but make a mess of my life. And I I don't have a life apart from you. And if this is what life mm-hmm. is apart from you, I don't want it anymore. And I don't even know what to do. I'm in such a bad mm-hmm. spot. Help me, Lord. Um, and so that was not necessarily my moment of salvation, but that was a moment for me of what I would call repentance and just humbling. Like that was my face flattening moment before the Lord. And so a couple of Mm -hmm. days went by. And back then, back in the olden days, we used to have to go to bookstores (laughs) to find books. So some of you don't remember (laughs) life before Amazon, but this was before Amazon. And I remember going to the bookstore. And for whatever reason, I must have had time on my hands. And I just decided I'm just going to run up to the Christian living section and just like see what there is really quick. And I remember my heart was pounding and I was afraid someone was going to see me there and be like, what is she, Emily, what is she doing in the Christian Mm -hmm. section? And I was pressed for time and I had no idea what I was looking for. And so I just like grabbed something off the shelf that was for, you know, marketed for women. And I, I stuffed that book like deep in my purse so no one could see it. And I ended up going to a coffee shop that week and reading through this book and it's not one that I would like recommend to anyone today. It doesn't matter what the book is, but the but what matters is the gospel was in that book. And mm. I read and understood the gospel for the very first time and gave my life to Christ. Um wow. yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. And it was a like one of those 180 degree turning types of of things where I didn't even know who to tell, but I knew wow. I needed to tell someone that I became a Christian. And so I went on to the social media platform of the day, which was really early, like MySpace or Facebook or something. And I found, I'm like someone I knew from high school. And I'm like, I think they go to church and I messaged them. Mm. And I was like, I just became a Christian and I need to tell another Christian and pray with them. I need to start going to church and I don't know where to go. So it was, it was a big journey for me. And, uh, that was 17 years ago. And, uh, just by God's grace, uh, still following him and, and still just in much of need of Jesus today as I've ever been. Wow. The two things that stood out to me. One, do you think like your story of God's providence, you're you're at the bookstore and you grab a random book and the gospel's in it. Do you think that's impacted you as an author and writer of like, God, would that be someone else's story through this book that you allow me to write? Do you think that like is in the back of your mind often? You know, I think there must be some correlation. I I don't know if I thought about it that clearly. Um, but I know that 
or maybe maybe what it's given me hope for is just that you don't know what truth is going to fall on someone and what spot they're going to be when they hear it. And yeah. absolutely, God uses parents and churches and pastors and Sunday school teachers and all of that. But like, yeah, he uses books too and podcasts mm. too and music too. And and that's just amazing to me and so hopeful to me. Mm-hmm. So I do love just the idea that, yeah, someone can run across the gospel by just picking up a book. And I'll praise the Lord for that if he wants to use that in their lives. Yeah, I even think about it was in one of your newsletters, I think a couple months ago, where you you had lost your this is a long story that we might not get into, but you you're you'd lost your Instagram. Like they shut yes. your Instagram down. <laughs> and I remember in your email, I was so part part of your email, you you were you basically wrote like, I know, I know that like this isn't the end of the world. I can't remember your exact writing. You wrote it beautifully. Like, I know that, you know, God's still like his providence is over this. I'm still a little sad. And because I also like, I know that he's, I feel confident he's called me to create content. And I remember reading that and I, and, and same way, like you just said, he could use a, like a book, a podcast, content on social media, anything, art on the wall, like whatever it is. And I remember being so encouraged by that because like, okay, God has affirmed her and her content creating for his glory. Mm-hmm. And I remember that just like freeing me up. So I wonder like who listening to this just like needs to be freed up of whatever he's calling you into. It might not look like specifically working in a church or yeah. you're, you know, of of course he uses the parents to children and our pastors, but like just affirming, like if God's mm-hmm. affirming you and what he's made you passionate about and, and specifically you saying that, I was like, Whoa, thanks, God. I remember just being so refreshed by that. Oh, I'm so excited to hear that. I think, I mean, I can remember starting out in content creation online 10 years ago now, maybe more, and wrestling for years with whether or not it was okay to be inserting myself into this space on my own accord. you've, You've also written part of a book or about social media, right? Yes. Did I, I, yes. What's that book called? And is it, did everyone, did different people write certain chapters? Yes. It's called Social Sanity and it was published, um, it was released through the Gospel Coalition last summer and it's um, a bunch of different authors contributed different chapters and different perspectives on social media. And it is, I'm not saying this because I wrote in the book, but truly it is a super helpful book. And I have found all the other chapters to be really helpful. But I had written about um, leaving social media even and knowing that, you know, just like what we're talking about, you can have a faithful witness in so many Mm -hmm. spheres of life, so many areas of life. And so if social media is something that is trapping you and it's it's causing unhealthy habits and patterns for you and it's it's making it hard to do the other things God has called you to do faithfully then it's okay to leave and it's good to take breaks and it's good to set boundaries and so that's really kind of been a heartbeat for me um because content creation as i'm sure you know is is a joy and it's a blessing and it can be a gift to people but there's also unique temptations with it as well yeah 100% and I need to I need to read that book. I'm going <laughs> to order it after this. Oh. Sorry, husband. I'm ordering another book. Um, <laughs> and the, the other thing that stood out to me about your testimony was just the fact that you never know who is going to 
remember that you love Jesus because you shared something a long time ago where they just know by your life, by how you live or what you share. Okay. I think they're a Christian and they must, I think they're a safe space to reach out to and tell them that I want to follow Jesus or tell, ask them a question. And so I just was re encouraged by that. You just, you never know who you're going to impact and who's going to remember however many years later, okay, I'm going to tell them and hopefully they can like help lead me in the right direction. So that was so cool to hear. Okay. Yeah. If you are willing, would you tell us about a season of suffering and how you saw the Lord show up in it? Sure. Um, so it's interesting because I actually think right now I'm just in the midst of probably the biggest season of suffering that I faced mm-hmm. as an adult. Um, and really for us, I say us because I'm grouping my husband in. He's not even sitting yes. here with me to claim that this <laughs> is his season of suffering. But um, okay, I'll speak for me. It's it really for me, this started with my son. We have a, we'll get into this more, I think, as the mm-hmm. show goes on. We have a, a son who has a genetic mutation. And a result of that, he's got a lot of developmental delays, various disabilities. And I think all of that has been hard. All of that has been a journey. All of that has been sad at times. But this last spring, summer, he started having a lot of seizures and he was diagnosed with epilepsy. And that has been an incredibly challenging thing to walk through on a lot of levels. So Mm. there's just the practical level of it's scary, it's hard, it's emotionally draining. Um, you know, it's it's really difficult to not know when something's going to turn into a medical emergency or to see your mm. child just suffering or hurt or something like that. I think there's a lot of extra things that come on your plate with doctor's appointments and treatments and medications that need to be administered. And, you know, you can't just walk out the door anymore and be like, here, yeah. grandma and grandpa, I'll see you later. Like, there's a lot that needs to be communicated and a lot of care that needs to be taken before we are away from him. So there's just been layers upon layers of really, really hard things that I'm walking through as a result of that. Um, and you know, just praise the Lord. Um, I have seen a lot of his provision in the midst Mm -hmm. of it. Um, I was challenged really early on by one of my pastors to not just rehearse the scary things or the hard things, but to also intentionally rehearse and remember the ways that God has shown up for us and provided graciously Mm -hmm. and kindly. And I can think of dozens of ways that he's cared for us. Um, and, And I'm so grateful for that. And I think the verse that comes to mind when I think about God's provision is Philippians 419, where, um, Paul is speaking to uh, some believers who have provided him with things that he needed. I, I don't remember if it was like financial support. And then he's turning back to them and saying, God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. And he's assuring them, like, just like you guys have taken care of me, I know that God is going to take care of all of your needs. And what I think is so interesting about that is that much like our children, you know, you're a mom, you know, they get like wants and needs confused sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they don't always understand that as a parent, you're trying to give them 
their deepest need, right? You're trying to give them, you know, they maybe want chicken nuggets and you're like, oh, let's eat like the plain chicken that I made this time. Cause like, this is a little bit more nourishing for you. And they're crying and they're like, but I just really wanted the Chick-fil-A and there's nothing wrong with Chick-fil-A. That's not the point of the story, but it's just to say, I think as children of God, you know, we have a lot of things that we want, that we desire, that we want to see God do. But the Bible just assures us that God is going to give us everything that we truly need. First and foremost, we're going to get those needs met because of what he's done in Christ. And we can't blow past that or gloss over that or say that's trite because security in Christ means that nothing can separate us from him, that we have eternal peace. We have security. We have the Holy Spirit who's with us and helps us. He has given us, you know, to be part of a body of Christ. That's our family that helps take care of us. So he's already provided for us like abundantly Mm -hmm. in Christ. And then on top of that, I love the thought that God is, is, looking over our situation and that anything he thinks we need, he's giving to us. (laughs) And anything Mm. that he hasn't given to us yet, it's because we don't really need it. And that's really hard when I think to myself, I want seizures to go away. I want Mm. a treatment to work right now. I want to diminish the cost of caregiving and the impacts of chronic stress on my body. I want this to be not so hard for my other children. And yet God hasn't granted those things yet. And I believe that he's good and he's still supplying our needs in the process of that. So that's just like a truth I've been preaching to myself, I guess. Mm, that's really helpful. Mm. The way that you compared our wants and needs. I feel like I'm going to think about that now. Like that's such a good picture. Our kids' wants and needs. I'm like, oh yeah, they don't know what they need. And then you're like, and it's us too. Uh, that's super helpful. Um, we're, we're of course going to circle back to so much of that a little bit later, but we're going to jump around. Um, thanks for thanks for sharing that. That was already wildly impactful. Um, what is a lie that you've believed that God has had to, or maybe still is, uprooting in your heart? And what gospel truth has he been reminding you to help squash that lie? I had a hard time thinking of an answer to this question because I have many, many, <laughs> many lies that God is constantly <laughs> uprooting. Yeah. So I'm just choosing one randomly. Um, okay. One that I think about often Okay, so I'll just, I'll share the lie. It's that if I can't do something the way I want to do it or that I think it should Mm -hmm. ideally happen, then it's not worth doing at all. So Mm, an example of this might be like spending time with the Lord. Like if I didn't get Mm. up exactly when my alarm clock went off and someone woke up or I didn't have my Bible in the right spot or you know, any number of things that instantly my reaction is, well, well, I guess I'll just skip that today. (laughs) You know, yeah, this can be true for any number of things that are good for us in life. You know, everything from exercise, hey, my 45 minute window of time where I like to do this specific routine couldn't happen today. And therefore, like, I'm just going to sit on the couch or, um, Mm. you know, having a moment of connection with a child and saying, Hey, we can connect here for a couple of minutes and and that 
that can still happen even if it wasn't in this exact way that I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's making meals for our family. You know, like I often have my ideal perfect, this is the nourishing meal in my mind. And if I don't get it prepped in time, does that mean I, I just instantly go to frozen pizza? Or is there like something in between mm-hmm. those two things that's an option? And so yeah. I, I think the truth that God is is reminding me of is that, you know, something is often better than nothing. And something is still mm. something. And something, doing doing something that is faithful actually does move the needle forward in small Mm. incremental ways. And that's actually how change and progress occurs. Like I want change and progress to be like a light switch. Like Mm -hmm. everything is set up perfect for me and I do it right. Or I don't do it at all versus knowing like, no, actually like me making little good choices to follow the Lord or to do the best that I can Mm. in that situation is really worthwhile. And it's how we still make investments because nothing Mm. in life ever goes or rarely, rarely goes (laughs) the way that we plan. Like, I I, I just think if I'm going to wait until, if I'm going to wait to be in God's word until everything is set up, if I'm going to wait to Mm. pray with my kids, or I'm going to wait to connect with my husband, or I'm going to wait to do whatever thing until Mm. all the circumstances are ideal, I'm never going to be able to do those things. I'm just going to keep putting them off and off and off. And so I think God has just been reminding me that it's good to just give what I have. Like, Mm. just give me what you have right now and see what I'll do with it. And Mm. I'm amazed that in a situation when instead of like, grumbling that it's not quite what I wanted and then kind of pulling back from that, I say, okay, I'm just going to give what I do have in this situation. Mm. He multiplies that and brings fruit from that, um, that desire to say, I, I'm I'm coming and I, I trust you and your spirit to be working in this situation and to still grow something from a thing that I thought was less than ideal. And mm. then I get to, when I see something good happen from it, it's like, wow, God did that. You know, I didn't think I had, I didn't think that was that great the way that turned out. And yet my kids are still full and happy or Mm. wow, I still got to have that special time with the Lord, even though it was a lot shorter and looked a little different than I thought. Um, So that's just something I I need, I need to repeat to myself over and over again. (laughs) That's really helpful. I think (laughs) I need to repeat that to myself too. So that, that reminds me this my personality in in like cleaning or that sort of thing is very like it's all overwhelming unless I'm in the perfect mood to do it and I have two hours. Exactly. Which is never. And this <laughs> and in the last two weeks I have a friend that's been trying to convince me over the years, just set the five minute timer and just do a little. And I'm like, rah, 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 I can't blah blah blah. And literally in the last two weeks I started Alex and I started setting the just five to 10 minute timer at night after the kids are down before we uh-huh. like rest. And I'm like, okay, like at least this square looks a little better and I'll get to wake up like rather than, well, I'm not going to clean everything. And it remind, but I love like you're reminding me that can be every area of life. So yes, thanks for that reminder. Ugh. Well, I can totally relate to you in that because 
that is a hundred percent how I look at things. And I have had to train myself for years and years and years. Like, no, really, you know, trying to fold laundry for 15 minutes actually makes it end. It really does. Yeah. yeah. It's really better than like leaving the laundry for three more days. Yes. And then probably having to throw it back in the dryer or do something again with yes. it because it's been sitting. I act yeah. like I'm help, super helpful with my laundry. But if my husband listens to this, he'll be like, don't act like I need to help with the laundry. So this is also the Lord convicting me. Okay. God has made you passionate about how the gospel meets us in motherhood. And I know I, along with many others, have been wildly impacted by you and your sister-in-law's ministry uh, centered around this risen motherhood. So talk to us about motherhood and the gospel. How does the gospel impact motherhood? Ah, well, (laughs) huge topic, obviously. I have found lots of words to say about this for years. I'm going to do my best to sum it up. So I think one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to this topic over and over again, and I love, love, love talking to especially moms in early years about this is because I think there's something unique that happens for many women when they become a mom. And I think it brings up at some point or another, some pretty existential questions that women start asking that maybe they've never asked before. Maybe they asked them when they were, you know, a child or an adolescent, but they've not really asked them or thought deeply about them in adulthood. Or maybe they were already kind of in the midst of a a crisis and it just brings those things to the surface more. And so I think it's a really unique time for women when they become moms to hear the good news of the gospel. Motherhood brings up a lot of questions about identity, like, well, who am I? And well, what kind of mom am I going to be? And I know who I was before having a child. Who am I after having a child? Um, oftentimes there is tremendous like sacrifice that happens as a part of that. So there can be a loss of who you were uh, before you had that child or what you had or what you were able to do. And there's a tremendous like physiological change that happens. Your hormones are, are different. You're, you know, just everything about the way that you think is, is different um, after you become a mom. I think there's also questions of purpose, like, what am I here for? <laughs> How is my life making an impact? What does it matter that I do these same repetitive things day after day? I think both, you know, women who leave the workforce and become a stay-at-home mom, like they may wrestle with this in the context of feeling like, hey, life is kind of boring and mundane and it doesn't really feel like I'm moving the needle on anything. And sometimes women who go back to the workforce wrestle with a whole nother set of questions. Am I I serving my family as well as I'm serving in my job? And I don't know how to do both of these things well. And so there's just all kinds of questions of purpose. I think we face a lot of questions of what I would call like procedure, a lot of how do I do this questions, Mm -hmm. thousands of those (laughs) that we've Mm -hmm. never had to answer before. Um, And I think there is a lot of pressure to figure out what kind of solutions and systems am I going to put up, put in place in my life to be able to handle all of these new how-to questions. Um, And then there's questions of guilt that come up. Like, 
well, what if I'm not good enough? And what if I'm not a good mom? What if I can't live up to my idea or standard of good motherhood? Or even relationally, like, how am I going to exist in my marriage as a mom? How do I relate to my parents now and their grandparents and I'm a mom? How do I relate to my friends? So this is just scratching the surface of like Mm -hmm. the massive questions that moms start asking. And they may not even consciously, you know, I know what that was like. You're tired. Like you're not, you're not actually thinking, what is my purpose here on this earth? But I think that underlying Mm -hmm. that is going on for a lot of women and culture has a lot of answers for those questions. And, and those answers are really loud and really tempting. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably won't go into a ton of details about what those are, but the reality is, is that all of those answers for what a woman should be or what a mom should be are often temporary. They're ever changing based on like the latest fad advice or, you know, the latest self-help thing or the latest research study that came out that's going to be reversed in five years and now it's going to be another thing, the latest products. Um, And it's not that all of those things are bad, but what what I've observed over the years is that when a mom kind of faces those questions and then she answers them with kind of worldly or cultural answers... What happens is, is she like either lobs that crisis further down the road into the future when those solutions fail her, or her heart becomes very hardened towards those Mm -hmm. questions. And it becomes harder to ever really hear, be in a place ever again where you can truly hear, hear the good news. But I love getting to share the gospel with moms because Jesus answers Every single one of those questions in a way that is lasting and in a way that is secure, in a way that brings peace and joy. And so I think that what's hard, it kind of goes back to the needs question. The the Bible and, and all the truth about Jesus Christ and following him don't necessarily give us the answers that we wanted, but he gives us the Mm. things that we need. And it's not always super clear in that, like, oh, good. Now I know exactly how to sleep train my child because I followed Mm. Jesus. No, but if you are in him, you are going to be able to face any guilt that you have if you Mm. are struggling to find the right solution You are going to know who to turn to for wisdom as you're seeking solutions. You are going to know who to ask for sustaining help and power when you are exhausted. Mm. You are going to be able to be part of a community of believers who are going to come around you when you are tired. And so I think, you know, it's, it's just amazing because as much as we want like a silver bullet mm. and, and like, okay, this is exactly the answer to all of those questions. Like that culture would give really following Jesus is the only thing that's going to yeah. give us purpose and life and truly identity outside of motherhood, like in, in him. And that's, that's what we need to cultivate 
And then there's there's so many things that that matter in everyday life as a result of that that I won't get into, but that's why we yeah. have years and years of podcasts and a book yes. and all those things. <laughs> yeah, go listen to their how, how many episodes? I mean, it's been what uh, did you say seven years? I think so. I think we've got over for sure over two hundred episodes, but I don't even know what we're at now. Yeah, yeah, go listen and be encouraged and and different like very specific topics of the yes. gospel meeting mothers and every day. It's, it is so helpful. So along with that, what is a word of encouragement you have for the weary, maybe discouraged mama with littles that's listening to this? Oh, okay. The verse that always comes to mind for me is just do not grow weary of doing good for in due time you will reap if you do not give up. Mm-hmm. That verse is not in the context of motherhood. <laughs> so this, I'm not trying to protect anything here, but I always think about this verse with the little years because I Mm. think that they are years where you are doing a ton of work and cultivation and you're not seeing any real fruit or progress or reward Mm. from that yet. And that is a really, really hard place to be. So I guess the story that comes to my mind and the season that comes to my mind when I think about this is, is in May, usually like right after mother's day, I have a garden and I love, um, planting flowers and I'm just getting into it. So this will be like my third year and I'll just sow seeds like straight into the ground. And it's very, very frustrating to me because I'll do all this work in my garden. I plant all these seeds and I come out every day for like a month and I hardly see anything except weeds. I see lots and lots of Mm. weeds and I spend all this time pulling the weeds out and I'm watering and I'm putting down fertilizer and like there are no flowers. (laughs) And it's not until really July or August where I really Mm. am getting to clip, you know, blooms off of these flowers and create these beautiful bouquets. And if Mm. I would have given up on watering my garden and weeding my garden in June, I would not have had those bouquets later in the season. But there is like this point in time as a gardener that you're like, I have to just keep doing the things that I know are good for my flowers, even though I don't see any flowers yet. I I shouldn't Mm. give up too early. And I just think that that is so true. When you're in the little years, I, I think it's really hard to see until your kids are older. But like, you're doing stuff that you, I don't want to sound too extreme, like you kind of can't make up later. Like what you're doing Mm. is, can only be done in those years. And that's not to say God can't redeem things and that he Mm -hmm. can't, you know, we all make mistakes and every single mom looks back and is like, oh, I wish I would have done this or that better in those years. Mm -hmm. So don't hear that, but do hear that all of the things you're doing is, it is, it is making a difference. I don't know. I just, it really, all of yeah. your inputs, all of your sharing the gospel with them, all of your praying with them, all of your, no, we are going to put the toys in the basket. We are. And I'm going to try mm. again tomorrow to help you do yeah. that. Like one day they will do it themselves and you will just be like, oh, <gasps> I've hit the jackpot. You know, mm. like finally they clean up after themselves. So I cannot tell you how sweet it is to have older kids that are are a blessing to you. And Mm. that really is a result of all the stuff you're doing when they're zero, one, two, three, four, five. And it feels like 
you're going to just bang your head against a wall because you cannot, you know, repeat this instruction again. Um, But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Stay the course. Hmm. I love that. Uh, risen motherhood at some point. I, I'm sure you shared this multiple times, but I'll never forget. I think like Zan, my oldest, who's almost five, was like maybe one or two, and you guys had shared a piece of content. So maybe you made it, and it basically said, if you share the gospel with your child every day between what blank and like five or the first five years are like yeah. they will have heard it. And I'm not good at math, but 365 times five, like yeah. a lot of times. And that, I just want you to know, that impacted me so much, like, and encouraged me so much to be saying it to them every single day in different ways, but also, like, explicitly, like, knowing that, like, one day they're at least going to be able to, like, they're going to be able to repeat it. And by God's grace, he's going to seep it into their heart. But that, like, whoa, like, just blew my mind when I read that from you guys. And another thing that I think of is, Jen Wilkin on a podcast I listened to from her a couple of years ago, she basically said so many people in like my generation now are mine, not Jen's are parenting for the next five minutes rather than the next five years, 10 years, 15 years. And she basically like pleading what you just did, like, no, like you, when you're parenting, you you have to parent for the next 10, 15 years. Like it's, it's worth it. It's, it's going to be hard work to not just, if they're having a tantrum, give them what they want or toss them in front of a screen or something Mm -hmm. to just get them to stop. But you can't parent for the next five minutes. And, and I'm so encouraged by your Mm -hmm. words and hers that, okay, don't grow weary. And, and (laughs) they will, they will pick up the toys one day on their own or the first time you ask or so. Oh, Thanks for, thanks for encouraging us in that. Yeah. Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I think too. So I'm, and I'm looking back on those years now. Yeah. Um, when I was in it, I would have said I'm failing most of the time. Hmm. Like most of the time I'm not doing as good as I should be doing. And I think like my batting average was a little higher than I, I felt like it was. Um, because I just had no grace for myself to have an off night and to have, yeah, yeah, I did put them in front of the TV. Yeah. Uh, but I think like anything in life, like think about, you know, the foods you eat or whatever, it's not, you know, the one or two meals a week that Mm -hmm. are really going to affect you. It's what you eat most of the time, most days. And so, I guess I just want to like also offer that to a mom who's just feeling like, oh no, I am parenting for the next five minutes. And I know this would be yeah. your heart too. Is like, yeah, sometimes we all do that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but don't give up. Like that's yeah. where the don't give up comes in. Like, but okay. Yeah. But then start again. Like you can yeah. always start over again. Don't let, it's like my all or nothing. Okay. We're looping back yeah. around to something that's better than yeah. nothing. Like, and I, and I had to, I had to so many times say, nope, okay, I've, I've, I've quit on devotions and I quit on sharing mm-hmm. the gospel and I've quit on this, but like, yeah. I'm going to restart again yeah. because I don't want to yeah. give up. I don't want to give up. So don't lose hope. I love that. Thanks for encouraging us. Yeah. Thanks for going before us. Um, okay. So shifting gears a little bit, another thing you are passionate about, and we kind of started to get into this, um, talking about grief and disability. Can you talk to us about those? And can you remind us how old your son is? 
Sure. Yeah. So um, our son is seven. So he's in first grade. And um, I I probably won't like share too much of the specifics of his story. But again, yeah. um, you know, he has a genetic mutation. It's it's interesting because I also, my only sibling who's two years younger than me also has a disability. And okay. so I grew up in a family with mm. disability and I've never not lived in a family that doesn't have disability. And mm. so sometimes I think my perspective can be a little bit different um, just because it's always been a part of my life. But it is something someone said to me recently, um, Lauren, I actually just finished recording a whole series on grief and motherhood. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that would be helpful to anyone. But as we were talking with one of our guests, he really categorized grief related to having a child with a disability as complex grief. And what that means is it's not tethered to like a point in time that over time you grow more and more distant from. Mm. Um, And so that doesn't, if you're growing more distant from something, it doesn't mean like there's no grief there or that that's not still incredibly hard. But one of the difficult things about complex grief is that it's just like comes with you through the years and it's almost always reopening the wound. It's like having a wound that just can't fully heal. It's like re-injuring your leg over and over and over again. And so there's like a different learning to walk with that than um, learning to walk with something where there can maybe be greater and greater healing that takes place over time. And so I'm really in the early stages of understanding what that means. I, for years, didn't even know that some of the things I was experiencing in my, in my life were grief. Like, mm-hmm. I thought, I don't know, I'm tired or I'm angry or whatever. Like, yeah. I didn't know. I, that was actually, I was grieving. Um, so I'm, I'm really starting starting that process now of, of probably learning to cope with that better and process that a little bit more. Hmm. What encouragement would you give to the parent listening who has a young child with disabilities? I know you're, you're in the, he's seven. Um, and you're in the beginning stages of recognizing your grief. Mm -hmm. Um, but what encouragement, maybe it's new news to them or they're, they have a super young child. What encouragement would you give them? Sure. Um, first of all, like, I'm just, I'm sorry. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's really scary, um, especially when you're walking through the season of diagnosis, which I think a lot of parents of really young children are still in the stage where you just don't have answers yet and you don't have a clear prognosis of what this child's life is going to be like. There's a lot of unknowns and that is a really hard thing. Like looking back, I would say those years were especially hard because of all the things we just didn't know yet. Um, Sometimes you're getting information that makes things sound better than they turn out to be. And that can be hard. Sometimes you're hearing a really worst case scenario and you grieve that. And then Hmm. later it turns out to not be that bad. Um, So it's just, it's just a really murky situation and you're trying to navigate communication of those things with um, other people who love your child and, uh, navigating doctors and you're trying to research all that on your own. So it's a really hard, scary place to be. I think 
for me, what helped and what I still do from time to time is just to remember that it's, it's good to think about what might lie ahead. And it can be wise to say, what is this going to mean for us in two years or in 10 years or in 30 years? Like there are questions about the future that we need to ask. But when those questions are starting to turn into like worries for tomorrow Mm -hmm. that are not on your doorstep yet, Mm -hmm. it's probably time to just go back to what grace do I need for today, for right now? What is God asking me to do right at this moment? Um, Because I have found that like God is always giving me grace for what I needed right then. Mm -hmm. Even when I was praying for him to get me through the next minute of whatever it was. Like I've had some hospital stays with our son where I was literally praying one minute at a time, like, Lord, help us get to the next minute. And, and he showed up for us in that and provided what I needed. And I look back and say, God sustained me through that day. And so I I think just kind of keeping your focus on, okay, what is it right now? Like, yes, there's, there's probably medications that I need to get figured out. There are other doctors that I need to call. I need to, you know, practice these therapies eventually, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, but, but just, okay, can you for now say, yes, that's a lot, Mm -hmm. but what do I, what is God asking me to do right at this moment? Well, maybe it's change a diaper, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Okay okay, God, help me change a diaper. Okay, I, I yeah. can do that, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. Or, or to, to hold someone on your lap or, you yeah. know, maybe they're having a meltdown. Okay, God, help me get through this meltdown. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I know scripture talks a lot about you know, tomorrow's worries are enough for tomorrow. Um, there's a reason why the Lord's prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. And because what we need is God's provision of grace and sustenance right now in this moment and to trust that if and when we have to cross a bridge later down the road God's going to show up for us in that moment too but like Mm. that's not on my plate right now Mm -hmm. and so it's just a really delicate balance of and I, I guess I would say just for the for those moms who are saying yeah but there's a ton of impossible questions and things I feel like I'm never going to be able to face. I would say if you can save some of those questions for days that you're having a better day, um, Mm. that things don't look so bleak. And I've just found, you know, especially with uh, uh, my son's epilepsy, like when he's had several days of having seizures in a row, I'm in a mental space where I'm thinking, we're never going to be able to do anything again. How are we ever going to go on vacation? How are we ever going to go on a date? How am I ever going to leave again? How am I ever going to sleep again? You know, and, and like, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I am. That's mm-hmm. not a good time for me to be thinking about, you know, <laughs> like major medical decisions yeah. if possible. So I think do being kind of aware and having people around you that can help you say, okay, let's stay focused on what provision you may need from the Lord right now. Hmm. That's really helpful. What advice or guidance would you give to someone who is listening today that maybe they have a friend with a child that has disabilities Mm -hmm. and they're longing to love and serve them well? 
What are tangible ways that they could do that? I know each person's answer might be different, but then coupled with that, a long question, I can repeat it, but what do you long for people in your own life to know or understand about being a mama to a child with disabilities? Mm. What would you say to them if they could hear you? Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that I, I think I have so many friends who have loved me well Mm. in the midst of that. Um, Someone else told me recently, you know, that must be really, it must feel lonely at times. And I had not put that word on it before, Mm. but I think that's something I would share is that I think it can feel really lonely, especially if someone has a child with a disability and they don't, none of their friends have that Mm. because there may be things that she can't do with her child or places that she can't join you. And she just feels really bad and alone Mm. in that or embarrassed, you know, um, that it's hard for her to take her child to the birthday party or a hundred other reasons. And maybe she feels like she doesn't even want to have to explain to anybody. And she does nobody. She thinks nobody would even understand if I tried to explain to them why this is so hard for us right now or why this is so hard for me. So I would just share, I guess that, that piece of insight. And then, I mean, there've been so many things that have helped me over the years, but I think friends that, you know, don't wait for me to say, here's what I need. Mm-hmm. They just say, I'm going to bring you a meal. Um, I remember when our son was hospitalized briefly, I like somebody just set up a meal train for me and like people were just bringing food to our house <laughs> and I didn't ask for it. And it was like the biggest blessing. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had friends know that I got hard information and they stopped by unannounced, which, you know, know your own friend yeah. if you're going to do that, but <laughs> they've shot by unannounced with copy or they've texted me and said, yeah. Hey, I, I'm going to stop by in 10 minutes. And they come in and they just hug me and pray for me. Um, and then probably I just really appreciate when people are willing, they just will listen to me mm-hmm. talk because there's so many details and like medical things. And it's just like nobody really, you know, to tell about that. Yeah. And my, you know, my husband and I, it's like, we get tired of talking to each other about it. And so it's really nice to have a couple of friends who will just sit mm-hmm. there and just let you ramble on mm-hmm. whether or not they understand yeah. it. Uh, just say, okay, we went to the doctor and then they said this mm-hmm. and then this happened and just be a good listener. Mm-hmm. I love those. On the flip side, are there any unhelpful things people unintentionally do? People that are maybe longing to help, but it does the opposite? Yeah. Um, you know, I try not to focus on this question too much because I really want to be, um, I don't want to be easily offended. And I think so many people do mean well. Um, and I hope nobody feels like they have to walk on eggshells around me. But, um, when I've had a few moments that I would say, Ooh, that stings a little, or that's not really very helpful. It's usually when the conversation turns to, um, uh, try like somebody well-meaning giving advice on how they think maybe we should approach treatment Mm. or, um, kind of a, have you tried sort Mm -hmm. of a thing? Um, and a lot of times I think what's hard about this, even though I have had some people give helpful advice before it comes off as, um, insensitive to the fact Mm -hmm. that that parent has spent 
like hours and hours and hours researching this and sitting in doctor's offices and talking to experts. They already probably feel a tremendous amount of guilt in, in their sense of like, I wish I could do more. I wish I had more answers, whatever those things, they're probably already carrying that around. And so when somebody kind of like comes in and is like, well, have you just tried going gluten-free because that really helped my my nephew and, and all of his symptoms went away overnight. It can kind of feel like you're just not smart enough to figure this out, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I, I, again, I, I think there are times in the right context, yeah. in the right conversation, especially if somebody's inviting, you know, insight, yeah. um, that that can be helpful. But I would just use a lot of caution before you yeah. try to kind of like fix it for them, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. Thanks for sharing all about that. I I am praying and believing that a mama or dad is out there listening, super encouraged by what God has shown you guys and the ways that he's shown up in your guys's grief Mm. walking with a child with disability. So thanks thanks for being vulnerable and sharing those things. Totally. Another thing you're passionate about is resting well and accepting human limitations. So what does that look like in your life and what has God taught you about that? Oh, well, um, it's interesting because when I first uh, got married and became a mom, I would say I really struggled with good um, work ethic. They're <laughs> not work ethic, but like I just struggled to know what it meant to work hard and use my time effectively. Mm-hmm. And God did a work in my heart over several years to help me. Wow especially when I became a stay-at-home mom and I had, you know, like the whole day to not be yeah. like wasteful of my time. Mm. Um, I don't think I was very good at like keeping up with housework. I wasn't very good at like getting stuff done. You know, I was really good at like going mm-hmm. to the park and, yeah. <laughs> you know, going on walks around the block <laughs> and going to visit daddy at work. But I was yeah. not very good at like some of the consistent daily disciplined things that were helpful yeah. to keep our home running. And so... Mm-hmm. I worked really, really, really hard in that. And I leaned really heavy into that. But what's interesting is that as the years went on and I got better at doing some of those things, I started feeling really guilty when I couldn't get those things done. Mm-hmm. And I started just kind of automatically assuming that like, if I'm not able to keep up with the house and I can't get the the sink cleaned every day and I can't keep up with my laundry and um, you know, I can't, uh, you know, volunteer at school and do risen motherhood and yeah. take care of my kids and do all these 27 other things, then there's something really wrong with me. Like mm-hmm. I'm the problem. It's me, Taylor Swift, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like kind of that, mm-hmm. uh, like I just need to, maybe I need to find a better hack or I need to stay up later yeah. or get up earlier. And that was really when I started to learn about human limitations. And yes, I need to work hard unto the Lord. And yes, it's good to use my time efficiently. And yes, it's good to be a good steward. But you can't go to the other extreme and then forget that God also created us to Mm. have patterns of work and rest and that they go hand in hand and that you need good rest in Mm. order to work hard and work effectively. 
and you work harder and more effectively when you have Mm. rested. And so the Lord has just taught me (laughs) over probably 10 years now, Mm. different sides of that coin at different times. And now I'm learning to uh, kind of put them together and just remember that like, ultimately God is the one accomplishing his purpose. It is not Mm. up to me. He has not asked me to do everything. He's Mm. not asked me to be in all places at all times. And, you know, that's extra uh, really hard when I can't be all things to my children or I Mm. can't be super volunteer or I can't say yes to every writing project. But um, I'm learning to trust that, hey, just because I can't do it doesn't mean God isn't working or he isn't going to provide for that in another way. And I can totally trust him with that. Hmm. I know I don't have this question in there, but a question that comes to mind as someone that loves to do the things and pursue the things and also wants to be there for my children and raise my children. What is there anything kind of putting you on the spot? Is there anything that you found helpful in navigating your yeses? Are there mm-hmm. any like maybe specific questions that you are like, okay, if they got God's given you those questions to like go through or maybe just there's specific lanes that you're like, if it's not in this lane, yeah, I can't right now. Or what's that looked like for you? Personal yeah. longing to know. <laughs> well, I think it was trial and error a yeah. little bit. And so I, I definitely learned as I tried things and then I went, Ooh, I can't do that and do yeah. my life well. Yeah. Or, um, Ooh, I love that. And that worked really well. Why don't I try some of that more? Um, for me personally, I put a high degree of, um, or I, I guess I really love things that allow me to have flexibility and availability mm-hmm. for the things that I know for sure God has asked me to do. Yeah. And so at every point in my life, I really, or my life, that sounds like forever. I like in yeah. my motherhood and trying to yeah. do things outside of motherhood journey, I've really tried every three to six months to sit down either with my planner or with my journal, with my husband and be like, okay, here's the stuff. Like I definitely want to do and definitely Mm. need to do. And we've already talked about a lot of those things like feed my family and do laundry or like be there for my kids and whatever those things are, that's going to be different for everyone. And then to try to look at like, what time do I have left over? Mm Mm-hmm. Plus building in margin for stuff that's unexpected yeah. to happen. Yeah. Um, and over and over again, I, I've learned this again this fall is like, I'll be like, oh, I have however many hours a week while my kids are at school. And then I'll like plan enough mm. stuff that fits perfectly into those hours. Well, guess what? No week ever goes like that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. There's sick days and then mm-hmm. there's snow days and then we travel and then whatever. And suddenly my whole system falls to pieces. Um, so really trying to find things that allow me to be able to prioritize the things that really need to be prioritized and be unified with my husband. I think whenever we discuss things and we're both on the same page and going, mm-hmm. yeah, this is important to us. This is a priority to us. You doing this podcast or Mm-hmm. you taking on this writing opportunity, then we both make space for that. I, yeah. I try to ask, like, can I be a cheerful giver in this? Mm. Um, can my husband be a cheerful giver in this? I, I like my, my book writing project was a perfect example of that, of, you know, 
I had to take real time away sometimes Mm -hmm. to go write. And it was a blessing to me when both my husband and I were like, okay, when are we going to make space for this? So Mm -hmm. why don't you go away to this hotel for a couple of Mm -hmm. nights and work and the kids and I are going to pray for you while you're gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just, I'm really grateful for that, but I don't, I don't know. I wish there was like, this is a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Have to do. It's a great question. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. We'll put a pin in it. Okay, okay. Not that you're committing to it, but no, I want, I do want to hear all, all your thoughts on it. Okay. Well, okay. Kind of back to resting. What does resting look like for you? Yeah. Um, well, again, not that, not the trite Sunday school answer, but truly, truly, you know, I go back again and again to just my rest is found in Christ. Jesus mm-hmm. says, come all ye who are heavy laden and weary. I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. Um, he is what settles all of the deepest longings of our heart and the biggest questions of our heart. Mm. And I think that no matter what's going on with our circumstances or physically, if we are in Christ, there is a, a point, a way in which we are at rest, knowing that like our final rest is coming. Like, mm. Whatever it is we're having to endure, whatever it is we're weary of, whatever it is we're not getting right now, like eventually it's going to be made right. And I think it sounds like that's not really that helpful of an answer, but it really, really is. And so sometimes and often resting looks like remembering who Christ is, remembering what he's done for me, spending time on a regular basis thinking about those truths. But, you know, he also made us people with bodies that Mm -hmm. need physical rest. And I, I often find in the rest conversation, maybe it's just the conversation I have in my own head. I want rest sometimes to mean like stay in your pajamas all day and watch Netflix, you know, and like for it to be something that's kind of a little bit more fun or easier. Mm -hmm. But it seems like most of the time we blow right past like the very basic things that if we prioritize them a little bit more, Mm. we would be resting a lot better. So for me, and I'm late thirties now. So I, if I don't do these things, I'm feeling it in like two days, (laughs) but, um, prioritizing sleep. Like I know it's so hard, especially if you've got kids in the little years, it feels impossible, but trying to get sufficient deep sleep Mm -hmm. every night and protecting that is really good for you and really important. And that's like a basic function of the way God designed is for you to sleep every night. Yeah. Um, And so it's worth, if you're not sleeping well, you know, to say, what things could I do to help foster better sleep? Or maybe there's Mm -hmm. some medical things you need to work through or some emotional things you need to work to or some bedtime routines. Like there could be a variety of things. I probably foo-fooed that all through my twenties. Um, and now I'm realizing like how important sleep is. Um, also just like setting daily hours that are for work and daily hours that are for Mm -hmm. rest. And I'm using the word work broadly, like Mm -hmm. work can mean Um, loading my dishwasher. Work Mm. can mean cleaning up something in the yard, picking up my kids from school, cleaning up dinner. Um, I think sometimes people let work bleed into like any hour that I'm awake is an hour that I'm working and then I'm sleeping and I'm resting. But at least my husband and I have found like 
we need daily hours where, mm-hmm. yeah, from 7 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. are work hours for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're on. Mm-hmm. But after the kids go to bed, we try not to do any more work. Now, are there nights when that's not possible? Absolutely. Yeah. But like, we try that to be the pattern mm-hmm. of our lives. And then I think that's true for a week, right? The principle mm-hmm. of Sabbath rest and saying, hey, can there be one day in seven? You know, maybe you take that literally, maybe you don't, where that day is set aside in a more restful way than your other days. Um, I know my husband and I have also tried to say, hey, annually, can we take a longer break from the things that we would usually do? Um, and, and rest. We like relocate for that. And we have been for the last few years. We didn't even know our family needed it, but it is mm-hmm. something we look forward to all year. Your whole and family, is, like an annual uh, family trip. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we cool. pick uh, my husband and my five kids and we go to Florida cool. for anywhere from like, we, we do like 20 days before wow. things like that. And amazing. it's not always possible. And yeah. I'm sure when our kids get older, we won't be doing it. But to have this extended time where mm-hmm. we're still doing laundry, we're still cooking, things like that. But the point is that we're together and we're resting has been an mm-hmm. amazing annual practice for us. And, wow. you know, not meant to be like prescriptive, but yeah, um, those are patterns for us that have been helpful. And, and I guess just as a side note to social media and my phone is like, I found that I need to rest from my phone every mm-hmm. day for usually like 12 hours at least, or otherwise I just creep into really bad habits. Um, So that's just another side note. Yeah. Those are all super helpful. Okay. Lastly, but not lastly that you're passionate about, but for today, (laughs) God has made you passionate about making wise decisions as a family and married couple. So please give us all your wisdom on this. Tell us (laughs) what you've learned or what has been helpful in your marriage and family. Yeah. Well, we are still trying to figure this out. We have not arrived. And a lot of our, our wisdom probably comes from stuff we've done wrong. But <laughs> I would say um, ask good questions of whatever it is you're considering. Don't just uh, go with the default or instantly mm. do what everybody else is doing. Truly try to evaluate the cost of something and not just the financial cost. What is this going to cost us emotionally? What is this going to cost our relationships? What is this going to cost us in terms of uh, living according to our values? Mm-hmm. Um, really trying to say, hey, we are a family who doesn't revolve around one person or one activity. We revolve around the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so everybody in the family is going to have to give and take at certain times. Mm-hmm. That's hard for kids, especially, but it's not all oh, we're going to shift our whole life so that our kids or one kid can have this certain thing they need. That's something we've learned with disability. Mm-hmm. Like our whole family can't only revolve around one child and their needs. Like sometimes he goes without things that he probably, that would be great for him to have mm-hmm. because our, our family doesn't have capacity for it. Our other kids can't handle that mm-hmm. right now. So trying to think about those things, um, just a reminder, and we've done this a lot, it's okay to do things differently from other people. Mm-hmm. Every family is going to follow the Lord in their own way. Um, and don't be afraid to change. So if you try something, oftentimes my husband will say, if this isn't working in six months or in one year, 
we will reevaluate and Mm. that is okay. And we have made changes after making big decisions. Now, not every decision is that way that you can like instantly reverse, but oftentimes that's freed us up to try something when we don't feel like we're getting ready to make a decision that's forever, no matter what, you know? And, and I guess my last thought would be getting counsel from people who love Mm. you and know you really, really well. Pretty much every big decision we've made in our marriage, we've brought in one or two Mm. other couples who have prayed with us. And it's offered when we look back and we're like, was that really the right decision? We'll often be like, okay, no, no, remember so-and-so, like they prayed with us and like, they thought this was a good idea too. And that can just kind of help provide that layer of security if you're really not sure you're thinking right. Yeah. Thanks. And thanks for freeing us up to know that each family, like we're going to look different and God's going to lead each family specifically and uniquely and lead them in their in their time and in their talents and their money and with their children. I think yeah. it's I'm already seeing like I'm having the Lord. I'm needing God to like soften my heart towards that, my rigid yeah. heart. I probably tend towards rigidness and like over here then rather than like tending towards like grace over mm-hmm. here. And so I'm needing God to remind me that for myself and for the people around me, like he's leading, he's telling tell me, I'm leading them. I'm leading them. You're not <laughs> leading them. I'm leading. And I'm like, okay, right. You're God. And I need him to do that for me too. He's constantly yeah. him. And through my husband, he's having to remind me through my husband, Hey, there's grace for you. Even like you were, we were t- talking on way before when you were like, and if you do throw them in front of the screen, like there's grace for that. My husband, yeah. like I err towards rigidness and my husband's like, hey, it's actually okay if you have a full movie day. Just so you know, yeah. you have my permission and you're free in Christ. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I can like forget yeah. how free I am and I need God reminding me how free everyone else is from me yeah. <laughs> and in general. So thanks for... Oh my gosh, those were such helpful things. Asking questions, inviting in counsel. I think also too, inviting in counsel is so helpful because I think we invite counsel in for so many other things. And for some reason when it comes, at least for me, like when it comes to like your family, you're like, I don't know, maybe this is just me. I've never thought about, okay, let me invite in two couples or like wiser, older couples that I trust Mm -hmm. or like good friends that I know are for us, even if like, you know, God leads them in another direction. Like God's still using them to speak to us. And so yeah. thanks for thanks for reminding us that. Okay, just a few more questions. Marriage, a piece of marriage advice for the married folk out there or the best marriage advice you've received. Oh, <laughs> um, oh I got another one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. I know. I think here's what's, here's what's helped me the most over the years. Here's what I wish I would have learned sooner. Yeah. Cultivate good communication and conflict resolution skills Mm. as soon as you can. (laughs) I think early on in marriage, I either jumped in on an issue too quickly and too passionately, Mm. or I didn't deal with with it and I waited way too long to address something that became Mm. something too big later on. Um. And so I think what's interesting is some personalities, you know, love to argue or they kind of mm-hmm. like love the passion yeah. and they're drawn to like, bring it on. Like, let's get mm-hmm. into this right now. 
And there's other personalities that are very conflict avoidant. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes couples are made up of two kind of arguer types. And some couples are made up of two conflict avoidant types. And sometimes people are, you know, one's kind of likes Mm -hmm. to start the fight and the other one is always avoiding it. And Mm -hmm. I think the sooner in marriage that you can try to like understand some of those dynamics and how they're playing into the way Mm -hmm. you're dealing with conflict. Because when you come into marriage, right, what's one of the first things you realize is like, we have totally different expectations about a lot of things. Like we have enough value, enough similar values. And we're on the same page about all the big stuff that we got married, but Mm -hmm. we think dinner should be at different times. And we Mm -hmm. think that it should come with a different number of side dishes. And we think we should buy it from different grocery stores. And you Mm -hmm. like, you just find all these different things where you're like, I have no idea. I had such specific ideas about the way Mm -hmm. this should go. And then I'm kind of offended that this other Mm -hmm. person doesn't do it this way. So there's a lot of working that out. And I think something that I learned over the years, and this is this is true for husbands, wives, men, and women, is I, I needed to work on my my timing of conversation and like mm. my tone in conversation. One of the things over the years I've tried to say is I don't I try not to bring something up if I am feeling heated about it or I'm mm-hmm. feeling emotional about it. Same as my husband, because almost nothing productive happens unless we're both calm and rational and looking for solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gotten way easier over the years. Mm-hmm. It was a lot harder at first. I used to sometimes challenge myself to pray about something for two mm-hmm. weeks before I brought it up to my husband. That's helpful. If I felt kind of like, oh, you know, um, so it's, it's just really interesting because tone two is saying, hey, how, what does my voice sound like? What does my body language sound like? A lot of times, right, it just, it just comes down to our hearts. Like, am I really interested in finding solutions with my spouse mm. who I love? Or do I kind of just want this to turn out my way? Mm. Um, and it's really hard to have a good conversation that goes somewhere until you're in the spot where you're like, no, I actually want what's best for both of us, mm. not just for it, to, yeah. to, for it to turn out according to the, yeah. my plan. Um, and so just a couple of really small things that we have done to this end over the years is one, we we just don't discuss deep things late at night. Yeah. Like we just don't. We used to when we were early on in marriage, you know, there's that verse about like, don't let the sun go down on your anger and like go to bed actually. Yeah. And I think what that is saying is like, you know, don't let bitterness store up in your heart. Mm -hmm. But for us, like the later things would get into the night, like the more our conversations would just spiral. And we do so much better when we're like, yep, sleep on it. And like most of the time things are better in the morning or we solve it really quickly. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing would be resolving small offenses quickly and keeping short accounts so that little Mm -hmm. things don't become big things. Mm. Um. We probably could not have done this on year one or year three of our marriage. But now on year 13, like mm. if my husband, let's say he um, forgets to text me that he got held up in a meeting mm-hmm. and I'm like, I've gotten dinner ready and like yeah. all the kids are there. I'm like, where is dad? Mm-hmm. And he's not answering my calls and he comes home late. I've gotten a lot better at just being mm. like not mad. And I'm just like, hey, babe, that made me frustrated. Mm that you didn't respond to me. All you have to do is just send me a text. Will you do that next time? And he's like, yes, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? Yes. 
resolved, mm. moving on. You know, yeah. and you just, and that's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wish we would have gotten better at it faster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Though I feel like you just ministered straight to my heart. I mean, yeah, the your the part you said about you know not talking when you're heated about something. Yeah. I don't know if this is a proverb or if this is just a quote. I think it's just a quote, like uh, where emotion is, wisdom is not, or something. And yeah. and like I'm always like, yep, that's me. Like I like the more emotional I am, like I'm just like steamrolling my husband with all these words because I can say a million words, yeah. and he's like, um, actually you know that I need an hour to process through whatever you just said or a full day. So we're going to have to recon. And I'm like, but oh my gosh, I just felt so ministered by all of your advice. So thank you for that. What is a piece of scripture the Lord is currently using to encourage, exhort, or convict you with lately? Oh, um, I think I've, I've been starting to read back through Proverbs and I was reading in Proverbs one about the voice of wisdom. And this is like a hyperbolic you know, wisdom is a hyperbole of sounds like a person's voice, but it's not. Um, anyways, this idea of like God's wisdom is out there. And the verse says, wisdom cries aloud in the street and the market. She raises her voice at the head of the noisy street. She cries out at the entrance of the city great gates. She speaks. And then later in Proverbs one, it, it kind of talks about what happens to people who don't listen to wisdom. And then people who do listen to wisdom And uh, verse 29 says, because they hated knowledge and they did not choose fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and they despise all my reproof and they, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way um, and have the fill of their own devices for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. And what really stood out to me there that I have been thinking about, our family reads through the story, the Pilgrim's Progress every January it's such a good story. Oh my gosh, life-changing. Such a good story. And every year that we read it, I find something else. And every time we read it, I am struck by how many times along the journey, Christian and then later hopeful um, are tempted to get off of the path and listen to other voices and other mm. ways of either getting to the celestial city or just like, hey, just come stop over mm. here and stay a while. Because this, this is a good thing too. And when I think wisdom cries aloud in the streets and the markets, she raises her voice. I think about mm. social media and like how much noise there is out there. And there's all these voices and there's all these things clamoring for our attention. And like, we have to be careful that we're not missing God's words and God's ways in the midst of listening to all of these other voices that are out there. Um, And sometimes I think, you know, we're tempted by things Mm. that seem good. You know, that's something we see in the Pilgrim's Progress. He's tempted by an angel of light, but it's not really. It's somebody in disguise or they're tempted by legalism Mm -hmm. or tempted by moralism or tempted by things that have like a kernel of goodness in them. But then you unpack what it actually is and it's not the gospel. It's not mm-hmm. God's wisdom. And and later I was looking up those terms where they were saying, hey, this the simple are this, the fools have this. And those words really have to do with being like naive, mm-hmm. seducible, you know, too easily swayed. Um, somebody who pursues kind of peace mm-hmm. and prosperity and abundance and becomes complacent in that. 
Mm. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> you know, all of those things sound like things yeah. I could be swept into. I'm, I'm just always reminded when our kids, we visit the beach in Florida and they play in the ocean a lot. And with the currents, what always happens is they start in front of us in the waves. And like, even if they're just playing, they end up going like down the yeah. ocean further and further and further away. And then we have to like pull them back, come back, you're too far. And then we bring them all the way back up in front of us again. And and they're not swimming away from us. Like the current underneath them is just mm. pulling them away and and their little bodies just go with it. And so I, I just have been really convicted lately of wanting to be someone who gets aware mm. of my drifting yeah. and is quick to turn back whenever I notice that I'm not aligned with God's wisdom anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's really helpful. And how often that yeah, like you're doing, just asking God to make us aware of when that happens because yes. I I had a situation a couple months ago where I'm like, all of a sudden I'm just not at rest and I'm in this like turmoil and God was just gently like, cause here's where you've like drifted in a few different spots and that's how you got here. It was like, it did it. You've been drifting and come back to me though. And, and here, I'm here to get you again at the <laughs> same spot. And I'm like, oh, thanks God. You know? Yeah. Someone is out there listening to this and maybe for the first time thinking, I want to respond to the gospel. I I believe that Jesus's life, death, and resurrection was the atonement for my sins. I can be forgiven for my sins if I repent and believe in him. They want to know and follow Jesus. What's a tangible next step for them? What advice do you have for them? Mm. Well, the verse that always comes to mind is today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And so Mm. uh, don't wait to get your act Mm. together or until Mm. you are behaving like a Christian or Mm. you are a better version of who you are to come to Christ, come to him now as you Mm. are. That is actually how he wants to receive you and redeem you and transform you. Because if you keep going until you're better, you won't ever be ready to come to Jesus. Mm. Amen. Okay, to wrap up our time time together, we have (laughs) rapid fire questions, keyword, rapid, keyword, fire. All right. right. And um, Emily did warn me, it's hard for her to pick favorites. So these (laughs) might not be rapid, but she is going to give her best efforts to pick pick one that just comes to mind that she does like of these. Okay. Okay. So to start us off, do you know what your Myers-Briggs is? No, I think I took it in high school and I don't remember. That's okay. Are you you introvert or extrovert? Uh, I... I think I'm introverted as an adult. Okay, okay, okay. Favorite book, I won't say all time, a book you like. Okay, a book somebody reminded me of recently that I like is The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. Oh, so good. Uh, A a song you like. I'm just taking out the word favorite so I I don't put you in a box. I can answer that. Okay. Um, I like the song, um, I I hopefully I say it right, Go Where the Light Is by the band Campbell. Okay, I haven't heard that. I'm excited. Listen, wait, do you have a favorite song all time? No, no. No, okay. Favorite food. Okay, I do have a favorite food. Yes. Sushi. I will eat any kind of sushi any day of the week. I would eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When you're in Florida, do you feel like it's significantly better or do you feel like you've you've found good places everywhere you go? I found good places everywhere, but there, there's there's some good restaurants down there too. Okay. Um, a Bible teacher that you like to listen to? 
Okay, I'm glad you've made this more generic. I would say uh, <laughs> Nancy Guthrie is somebody who I just always really, really value her insights into scripture. Mm, love that. Favorite or a podcast you enjoy? <laughs> ah, this is really hard for me. I'm going to just say like- Or a couple I- that or a couple that you like because oh, of course, R- Risen Motherhood is of course an, um, the most amazing, your favorite. I can't, I can't. I can't pick a favorite podcast. I'm sorry. Do you find yourself since you're since you're always recording podcasts? Do you find yourself not like? Are you a podcast listener since you are always recording episodes? Does that make sense? Yeah, I was for a really long time. I bet I went seven years, ten years listening to a ton of podcasts that were in yeah. the genre that even we were recording in. And yeah. only in the last two to three years how have I hit kind of like information overload. And now yeah. I do listen to podcasts, but I listen to things that are more entertainment oriented or have yeah. something to do with like fluff. Like I'm listening yes. to fluff. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> Which love is it. why I never recommend what my favorite podcast is because I'm like, <laughs> no. no, this will have nothing. You're like no, no one will like this. I love it. Okay, something not many people know about you. Okay, on the topic of podcasts, only my really good friends know this about me. Ooh, I'm excited. If I am watching a show or a movie that I like, I am listening to a companion podcast if I can find one. Stop. Wait, you're listening to a podcast that's like talking about the show about or movie? The show or movie. Okay. This is really dorky. Please. Don't. So I love it because you can find these podcasts. Sometimes it's fans that do it, but sometimes the director will do it. Cool. I love it. They get into like set design and character development Mm. and costume choice. And a lot of times they like break down the plot and they bring out things that I didn't notice. And I just love thinking about good stories and good characters and Mm. all of that. So it helps me if I find a show that I actually like, I love hearing what other people think about it because I want to talk about it. Yeah. I, don't I know. love it's that. It's just a nerdy thing I do. Do you think you'd ever write a fiction novel? <gasps> oh, okay. <gasps> I would. Yeah, this is like in my long term, okay. my long term dreams. I would love that, but I have no idea when okay. the Lord will provide yeah. time. Maybe when yeah. I'm like sixty, I will. Amazing! I can't wait to. Read I would it. love to. Um, <laughs> wait. Back to your movies. Do you have a movie that like rises above others? If you if you're someone that likes movies, is there one that comes to mind? I mean, uh, of course, it's probably yeah. gonna it probably is gonna be a secular movie. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Well, I will say the first movie that I noticed, like, oh, this is really good directing and really good writing. Mm. And there's something really unique happening here. Got me interested in movies was the movie Inception. Okay. I feel like I've only seen a part of it like a long time ago, whenever, or whenever it first came out, but I need to, I feel like my, like that was, it's like close to a decade old, right? Like it's, Oh, it's maybe over. like 15 or Okay, so whenever like I would have watched it, I don't even think I had like the brain space. I mean, it's like a complex <laughs> movie. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. You should rewatch okay. it. It's, it's like, it's one of those that, again, it got me interested in like, yeah. oh, this is what like a movie can be yeah. in storytelling and character. Cool. And it's just well-written and well-directed and it's good. Wait, did you find a pod? Have you ever found a podcast on it? No, but I have read some essays about it. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. What are you loving right now? Could be anything. Oh, I thought about an answer to this question. I forgot what it was. Um, what am I loving right now? I always am loving fires in the winter. Do you we, have a fire? You have a fireplace? We have a wood burning fireplace and Amazing. we burn a fire in it 
every day and our older boys are able to totally independently (gasps) build a fire and add to the fire. And um, we just like expose them to this. I don't know if this was a good idea or not. (laughs) But we like they've they've been around fire since they were, you know, little, little, little. And so um, it's fun now because I feel like everybody knows how to be safe yeah. and um mm-hmm. they can I can say boys will you build a fire and they just they do it. That's amazing. Wait, one last question that yeah. wasn't on here. What is something you're what are you most I won't say most, what's something you're looking forward to in twenty twenty three with like writing or risen motherhood or speaking? What's something you're looking forward to? Yeah, probably just releasing my book that I mentioned at the beginning yes. of the show. Um, oh my gosh. That's been a long, long time in the process and I'm I'm ready to see it go out in the world, fear and all. (laughs) Yay. Amazing. How can our friends listening today be praying for you? Oh, that's so sweet. Um, You know, we are just coming off of uh, two weeks of a lot of really intense appointments for um, our son and just like some treatment things for his epilepsy. So if you think of it today, you can just pray that God would be continuing to give us wisdom and doctors wisdom as we try to find something that can manage his seizures. Yes, we will be praying. If you'd take a moment right now, if you're listening, would you please take a moment to pray for Emily's son? Okay, where can our listeners find you? Okay, um, you can find me at at Emily A. Jensen on Instagram or emilyajensen.com. Um, and you can also subscribe to my newsletter there, which comes out every month. Do it. They're the best. Okay, anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to touch on? I feel like we pretty much touched so many things. No, I, I did want to share my best piece of advice I've ever gotten. You're going to like oh, this. Oh, sorry I skipped that one. I want to hear it. Okay, ready? Please tell me. Yes. Clean left to right, top to bottom. So when you go into a room, I literally use this advice every day and have for a decade. When I get overwhelmed, I just go okay. to the left side of the room. I love And this. I just start there and I just start moving to the right cleaning as I go and eventually it gets picked up. I needed that. The Lord knew I needed that. So thank (laughs) you. I'm so excited to do that. Emily, thanks for being on here. So wildly encouraged by all your words and your life and just all that God's doing in it. So thanks for taking time to chat with us. And yeah, just really honored and grateful that you would be here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Oh my word, I feel like Emily straight ministered to my soul that entire episode as she just continually pointed us back to the gospel and the freedom we have in Jesus. Wow. I could have listened to Emily talk about Jesus and the gospel for about 10 more hours. Well, luckily we can. Go check out her and her sister-in-law's podcast, Risen Motherhood. Such an impactful resource. They have a book called Risen Motherhood too. I've been personally impacted by their ministry in huge ways. Their website also has so many helpful resources. I'll link all of that in the show notes. Friends, if you were encouraged at all by this episode, would you leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast? Would you share this episode with your friends and family? I would so appreciate it. Our current book of the month for the Sunny 65 book club is Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. That is also linked in the show notes. As always, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out at maddie at sunnyand65.com. That's M-A-D-I at sunnyand65.com. You can also subscribe to my emails in the show notes to keep up with newsletters and podcast updates. Friends, go be bold and love big, and we will see you next time.